Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us, and we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day, and I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events, and uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. Serve. Amen. If you have your Bibles, let's go to the book of Psalms, chapter 107. Amen. And beginning at verse 21, Psalms 107, beginning at verse 21. So glad to see everybody in the house of the Lord. Amen. And while you're turning there, would you welcome all of our guests here to First Church this morning? We are so glad that you have come to worship with us. Amen. Psalms 107 and 21, David says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Verse 22, and let them sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. The sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Verse 23, they that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters these see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. Verse 23 again. And they that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters. These. Title here this morning that if you will before you get offended I would really appreciate that because I understand I'm going to use a word in here uh, that could could be a little offensive but if you give me time to clarify what I mean I believe the word of the Lord I think you'll come into agreement and I wish I could find a better word but this is about the best word that I could find and I think the word of the Lord will bring this all together and I want to preach to you on this thought, gambling on God, gambling on God, amen. And so I know that that word is, is a, it's a little kind of a hot potato sometime in, in, in religion and that's fine. But if you'll give me a minute, I want to explain what I mean by that about gambling on God. Would you pray with me here this morning? Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your presence that is in this place. Thank you, Lord, for your great and mighty power, the liberty that we have to worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, I pray that you would move into this house once again. Would you anoint every person in this place by your spirit, Lord? I pray that before we leave, that sickness would be healed. Lord, I pray that before we leave, there would be a breakthrough. I pray that before we leave, there would be transformation in somebody's life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. And would you just give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning? Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Turn to somebody and tell them, you can depend on Jesus. Amen. And then you can be seated. Praise God. Amen. Christopher Columbus was a sailor, but he was also a gambler. He gambled his life, 
He gambled his ship, his fortune, and his fame on a dream. One historian wrote and said of Columbus, he said, quote, the belief that the east could be reached by sailing westward was held by many learned men. It was not original with Columbus, but he was the first and only man of his time who was ready to gamble on that belief and risk his all in an attempt to demonstrate this theory. For this, he deserves a place among the greatest characters in history, wrote William or Henry William Ellison in the history of the United States. History also shows that Columbus had a conviction that not only could the East be reached by sailing West, but Columbus had a conviction that God had raised him up to accomplish this great work. And from that conviction, he never wavered. He believed that God had singularly put him on the earth to prove that you could sail west and find land. Also, uh, William uh, Ellison wrote that he knew he was constant, his constant boast that he was a servant, as the poem said, of the Holy Ghost. What confidence, as Elson put it, that Columbus gambled everything on setting sail westward. He gambled that he had the skill, the fortitude, the men, and the material to see it through. He staked all of his belief. He gambled everything he had, said one man, that he gambled on God. And as the poem would go, he set sail, my men, the hour has come for shipwreck or millennium. He put everything he had in believing that there was something beyond what every learned man at that time said. The psalmist in our text describes the ocean-going vessel that does business in great waters. Amen. The Jews were, uh, as a rule, not a seafaring people. There are not many great sailors that are known throughout the history of the Jewish people. Uh, to them, the sea was a thing of menace and mystery. To journey to the deep waters placed one at risk of losing much. To sail into the unknown, uh, giving up a quiet village and calm life uh, for the fickle of the sea. Surrendering family and friends for the rascals and the companions at sea. Losing the privilege of worshiping in the synagogue or the temple every week. They risked it all. Homesick, seasick, heartsick. They would risk it all to go on to the waters. And the thought of perishing at sea and being unable to be buried in the sepulcher of his father was an abominable thought to the Jewish people. It was perhaps this dread of the sea that caused John to emphasize the absence of oceans in his apocalyptic vision of the world to come in Revelations 21 and 1. But the psalmist knew that the ocean was a great gamble. He realized that the man who ventured upon the sea risked losing his life, but also that the person, if they were willing to risk, could stand to see greatness and things that only the mind could dream of. One who risks more sees more. So he wrote that those who launch into the deep sea of God's mighty wonders, amen, they risk it all, but they are gambling Amen, that they will see the greatness of God upon the face of the deep. Amen, there is nothing like a seafaring person. There is 
no roadmap. There is no signpost. There are no mile markers upon the water. There is no trail. For once a ship passes away or a boat, it does not leave its mark to scar the water so that everyone will know this person had been here. Amen. It is unlike anything other. It, it's unlike William uh, uh, or Lewis and Clark. It's unlike any discoverer over land who can cut down a tree or put up a sign to let others know. The sea is completely different. The moment you pass over its ever-changing waters, it will go back to what it was and as if you had never been there before. And so David wrote that going upon the waters, amen, would be a tremendous risk. But if you were willing to put it to risk, that there are wonders to see and God's wonders to perform, amen. Gambling, let me, let me give a, a, a necessary caveat here. Gambling is not a word that is typically used in a sermon title. I, I will give you that. This is probably the first time you've ever heard that, and that's why I gave that disclaimer for you. If the word is incredibly offensive, hold your offense to the end and see if I don't clear, clarify what I mean by that. Amen. Gambling has very few positive connotations. I can think of at least 10 ways that gambling is wrong, because gambling, first of all, trusts Lady Luck more than it trusts Jehovah Jireh. Gambling is motivated by a love of money. And let's get this scripture right. I, I see all these, uh, you know, social media theolo theology students and professors getting it all wrong. Everybody on there say money is evil. The Bible says money, the Bible never said money is evil. The Bible said the love of money is the root of all evil. Jesus said money answereth all things. It's money that's not evil. It's the love of money. And that's what gambling does. It placates the love of money. Gambling is inconsistent with work ethics. Gambling violates God's distribution of wealth. Gambling is similar to theft in motive and in practice. Gambling oppresses the poor. Now don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. This is why lottery tickets are sold in an infinitely higher number in poorer communities than in richer communities. Gambling is addictive. Gambling is associated with all kinds of other evils. Gambling is poor stewardship. Gambling distracts from true riches. And never forget that while Jesus died on the cross, the soldiers gambled below. Let the shadow of the one who gave all fall over those who seek all. Because while he was giving his all, they were gambling their wages over his garments. And so for the title's sake, I... I just keep finding myself drawn to the word gambling, amen, because let me preach to you this morning that every man is born a gambler. Every man is born a gambler. Let, let me prove this. The ancient psalmist discovered a great truth that, that all life involves risk. All life involves risk. You can mitigate some risk, but life involves risk. To fully live, you got to dare to live. In a profound sense, every man is born a gambler. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. You can't live within the bubble wrap of safety and have a well-lived life. The psalmist would have us believe that the more we dare, the greater our possibility of reward. The only way to win is you first have to risk. Everything we do in life 
involves some element of risk. And being born into this world itself is a risk. Just being alive is a risk. And the more you risk, the greater the reward. And this is why jobs and occupations that have high risk pay high wages. Because you are risking. A welder coming out of school makes really good money. But if that welder will further certify himself and become an underwater welder, his income will almost double on the hourly wage. Amen. But if that welder will take it even a step further and say there is even more specialized welding, there is deep water or deep sea welding. Those men and women who choose to dare to risk to learn to operate the machinery of welding, but sometimes at depths of four, five, six hundred feet deep under the water, living in, in, for lack of a better term, a tomb under the water that is pressurized. They will go down seven, eight hundred feet into what is called the dive bell. They will live there for two or three weeks at a time, living basically upon the umbilical cord that reaches to the surface. Amen. And their income will almost double that income of the people who just merely will weld underwater. But there's even a greater risk of welding, and the greatest risk of welding is what is called the nuclear welder. Amen. For the welder, he makes good money. For the underwater welder, they make better money. For the deep water welder, they make even better money. Most of them will only work four or five months out of the year and will make more money amen, than their counterparts who are just at the level above them. But the nuclear welder, and I didn't know about this until Brother Chase several years ago was telling me about this, the nuclear welder is the highest risk welder of all, for they are not only deep water certified and underwater certified welders, but they go into nuclear reactors and weld. That's a big risk. As a matter of fact, that's a massive risk. As a matter of fact, in most Western countries, they can only be certified to weld in a nuclear uh, facility or in a nuclear exposed area to weld for, I think it is somewhere around eight to 10 hours a year is all they're certified to weld because of the great risk of radiation. But yet, they'll often make $30,000 an hour because they take the risk. Now, they may grow a third arm their child may be born with four ears. They're taking the risk. But because they take the risk, they're getting paid immensely well. And so you see people that are electricians make really good money, but the people that are willing to climb the towers to hang the electrical lines make even better money because as life goes, the more you risk, the more you are willing to gain. And everything in life is a risk. You and I were born to live together, for, uh, together forever. We weren't consulted on whether we were to be born a man, bovine or human. God never consulted us whether we were to be born a dog or a man or a woman. Some may argue that it would have been far safer to have been born a beast. Some look at a cow standing out in the field, calmly and contently chewing her cud in the field and think, now that's the simple life. And they long for a life in a pasture just standing there eating all day. What a wonderful life that would be to just eat and have no responsibility and, and have no pressure and no worry. Amen. But little does that cow know how much we love cheeseburgers. 
So some will think that that's the life for me. I, I, I would I would want to be a cow, but I, I have experienced disillusionment and disappointment in my life. But I have never seen a cow experience disappointment in this illusionment. I have seen people weep and I have seen people struggle. I have seen people struggle in the quagmire of despair. I've seen criminal things and awful things that people do to one another. But I can also tell you here this morning that I have seen people go from unnamed tragedy to unspeakable joy. I have seen the man who cries, oh wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this earth? And I have seen someone who had cried out, thanks be to God for the breath that he has put in my body. So to hurt also gives you the reward to have feelings of joy and excitement and pleasure. I've come to tell you, yes, life is a risk, but it is a mitigated risk. And if you're going to risk, you might as well gamble on God. Is there a risk to being born a human? Absolutely. You run the risk of suffering. You run the risk of headache and heartache. And, and some may say, well, why not be born a clam? You know, a clam never wrings his hands. A clam never blushes in shame. A clam is not haunted by the failures of its past. Uh, amen. And I've seen, I've had some FaceTime with clams over my life. I think they're delicious. And I've also seen them in the wild. But as of yet, I, I've never seen a clam clam die of a broken heart but the clam pays a high price for this exemption the clam does not weep but the clam also never laughs the clam does not sob but the, the clam also does not sing it will not experience hell but neither will it experience the joy of heaven its losses are small but so is its gains in other words what I'm trying to tell you is if there's pain and heartache in your life that is part and parcel to being born upon this fallen earth. But here is the good news. That on the other side of every brokenness, on the other side of every tear and every sorrow, is the hope of joy and the hope of peace and the hope of the presence of God. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. It's easy to sit back and be sorrowful because you don't have the continual emotions that you wish that you can have of joy and, and, of, and, and, and of total uh, excitement and just being ecstatic all the time. But you will never know joy unless you have known what it was like to have sorrow in your life. Amen. You will never know love unless you have first taken the risk to experience heartache. Most of us in this place that are in, in, in a marriage or in a relationship at some point in our life we took the risk amen in third grade you passed the note to your crush and said do you love me yes or no and they circled no and they passed it back uh, you, you passed the note in first grade and said I think you're cute do you think I'm cute too circle yes or no only to see them go throw it in the trash can 
We've all experienced broken hearts, even on the small scale. Or maybe it was in middle school when you finally got up the nerve to talk to your crush and they looked at you as if you didn't exist. Maybe it was a long-term relationship where there was infidelity or there was some kind of heartache or heartbreak. Amen. Does that cause you to be jaded to the whole world and say, there is no love? No, you risk it again. Why? Because only the joy of risk can be measured in the reward of love and understanding that if I don't risk, I won't get any reward. In other words, what I'm trying to tell you here this morning is, yes, serving God can be a risk to some people. They're going to risk it all. They're going to put their hope and their faith in something that they cannot see and that they cannot touch. Amen. But I'm telling you, when you gamble on God, he is never going to let you down. In this life, you'll have heartache. In this life, you will have pain. But it is worth the risk when you experience the love and the peace and the presence of Almighty God. Living life to the fullest is a risk. Two bicycle mechanics by the name of Orville and Wilbur Wright made up their minds that they could fashion a craft that would fly through the air like a bird. What a gamble that was. Everybody laughed at them. This is ridiculous. Others have tried. Many fell to their death. You're not going to fly. It's foolish. And yet time and time again, they took down their experiments. They changed their blueprints. When the investors stopped investing, they gambled on themselves. Same men were saying, no one will ever fly. But confident of victory, they set about to fulfill their dreams. They put their lives at risk, but they accomplished man's first flight. I want to tell you, life is a risk. Marriage is a risk. Having children is a risk. Being a child of God has risks. People want a risk-free life. It's just not possible. It's just not possible. You must live in the risk, but it's worth the risk. We live in a generation that wants to mitigate any risk of not experiencing anything that they don't like. They don't want you to say things that will hurt their feelings. They don't want you to do things that will hurt their feelings. So they mitigate it by trying to throw out rules and barriers and walls that, that won't offend. But to live without the experience of risk is truly not to live at all. Let's go back to the cross for a moment this morning. Soldiers gambled there, but was not the cross itself the biggest gamble of them all? Jesus gave all to purchase an unseen church. He gave his all for you and me. And I'm thankful that he gave his all. I am so thankful that God took a chance on you. And God took a chance on me. You see, God wants his children to step out by faith. Not to live by certainty, but to live by faith. Not to be mere thrill seekers or chance takers but to step out in faith to see the wonders of God. 
Those, the Bible said, doing business in great waters will see God at work. In other words, you're never going to see the goodness of God standing on the safety of the shoreline. If you want to see the greatness of God, you've got to be willing to push out from the shoreline and go into the deep waters and say, Lord, I put my confidence in you. God, I put my trust in you. You see, the psalmist goes on to describe the depths. He said God brings the waves. In other, in other words, one moment the wave is at its crest point into the heavens and everything looks great and everything's grand and what a view. And then the next moment you are plunged into the depths. Amen. You are all of a sudden, you go from being up here to being down there. The sailor's soul melts. They stagger. Amen. They almost lose their wits. But in the deep, they cry out to the Lord and God hears them and God calms the sea. Listen to me. There's an old saying that says, smooth sailors. Uh, smooth seas never make good sailors. Everybody wants the smooth seas walk with God. But if you are going to experience the greatness of God, you have got to risk the storms that life is going to bring your way. If you want to experience the miraculous, you've got to experience sickness. If you want to experience blessing, you've got to experience lack. Take a chance that God will come through for you. David stepped out on simple faith in God God was displeased with Goliath's boasting but David if you would gambled on God in 1 Samuel 17 and 45 through 48 Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego did not know if they would be delivered but they stepped out in faith. Amen. They had never done it. They would not have met the fourth man in the fire had they not stepped out on faith. Had they not said, I believe that my God is well able to keep me. I believe my God is well able to preserve me. They would have never seen the mysterious fourth face that was there in the fire that day. Elijah took a risk and he said, I want a double portion of your spirit. Amen. Elijah said to Elisha, "This you've asked a hard thing of me, but if you will be with me, if you will see me when I'm taken away. If you will see me when God takes me out of here, you're going to get that very thing that you want. Elisha followed him without taking his eyes off the prophet. And God came through in a great way. All the wannabes fell off. All the stragglers fell off. But not Elisha. He knew that if God promised him something, God was going to come through with it. And in 2 Kings chapter 9, chapter two in verses nine through 15 the Bible said that Elijah was taken up into heaven in a whirlwind and then the Bible said that Elisha grabbed the mantle of that old prophet and he walked to a river amen and he took a risk he lifted up that mantle and he cried where is the Lord God of Elijah and he smote the mantle upon the waters and when he did the water stood up and the river parted and he walked across on dry land you see there is a risk to everything but if you're willing to stick it out if you're willing to keep serving God if you're willing to pursue a relationship with God there is going to be a blessing hallelujah hallelujah 
Simon said, amen, Simon, stay in the boat, they said. Don't get out of the boat. It's safer in here. Amen. Sure, we're getting a little wet. Sure, the water is the waves are lapping into the inside of the boat. But Simon, don't get out of the boat, Peter. Whatever you do, don't step out of the boat. I know it's filling with water. I know our mouths are filled with the taste of salt. I know we left the Dramamine back at the store. But don't you get out of this boat when 11 wet faces looked at Simon Peter and said, don't get out of the boat. It was the one that was walking upon the waves that said to Simon Peter, come. And Simon Peter could care less of what all the naysayers said. He could care less what reality said. He could care less what physics said. When Jesus said, come, Simon Peter took a gamble and he stepped over the edge of the boat and the Bible said Simon Peter walked on the water. You may be in the storm of your life right now. All your senses may say batten down the hatches. Everything in you must say cling to the bottom of the boat. But I hear a voice of the Lord saying if you're willing to step out on faith, if you're willing to move out in faith, there's a miracle for you this morning. Oh, somebody go ahead and give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen to me, church. Even when we risk and fail, it is far better to fail in the hands of God than to succeed in our comfort zones. It is far better to try and fail in the hands of God than never try at all. The widow of Zarephath. What are you doing, lady? I'm gambling on God. The widow with two mites. What are you thinking? I'm gambling on God. Zacchaeus, why are you giving away so much? I'm just gambling on God. Money cannot compare with the currency of joy and peace of mind. God wants somebody to step out in faith. Why? Because faith is what unlocks God's plan for your life. Faith is what brings joy. Faith is what brings deliverance. Faith is what brings peace. You've got to launch out into the deep. You've got to be willing to launch out into the deep. Amen, I feel the voice of the Lord calling to somebody in this house this morning. If you want to see the blessing of God, you've got to launch out into the deep. You can't stay in the kiddie end of the pool anymore. You can't stay in the shallow end of the pool anymore if you want to see the greatness of God. You've got to be willing to risk something. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. You've sat there that way long enough. Your way of doing it hadn't gotten anything done. Your way of trying to fix it has only made it worse. Why not gamble on God this morning? Why not take a chance and say, I think I believe God is able. I think I believe God can. I think I believe God will come through for me. Because listen, gambling on God brings glory to God. Somebody say it brings glory to God. I know some of you are still hung up on that G word. Hold on, I'm going to clarify it. After the storm, God shows up and brings calm. And notice what the psalmist then says in 107, the 107th Psalm in verse 31. He says, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. That's why we step out in faith. 
That's why we gamble on God. It's not to see what we can get, but to see how much glory that we can bring to God. God can do more, the Bible says, than what we ask or even think. So I want you this morning to start imagining and I want you to start thinking and I want you to step out in faith. Amen. How many here this morning can say God has never failed me? God has never let me down. Then let me ask you something this morning. Why is it so hard for us to continuously put our trust in him? Amen. Why is it that we struggle so much and we clutch our fist to the post, amen, of the dock and we're so fearful of what might happen in the deep but I'm telling you if you are willing to let go if you are willing to launch out into the deep if you are willing to take a risk this morning I feel the Holy Ghost if you are willing to take a risk and believe God again pastor I prayed that prayer and ain't nothing happened yet pray that prayer again and this time pray it in faith pastor I've shouted before and nothing happened shout again but this time shout in faith pastor I've asked them before and they said no ask them again but this time ask in faith what I'm trying to tell you is if you don't risk anything you'll never gain anything you gotta be willing to push the envelope you gotta be willing to push the envelope you gotta be willing to step out of your comfort zone you gotta be willing to say okay I may not have seen it happen the way I wanted to see it happen but I still believe that God is in control it's amazing how much confidence we put in stupid politicians and we won't put in God it's amazing how much confidence you'll put in a corruptible dollar but we won't put in God it's amazing how much confidence we put in social media but we won't put in prayer it's amazing how much confidence we put in friends but we don't put in Jesus oh what a friend we have in Jesus oh my sins and griefs to bear you know what we need to do we need to go back to the basics of a simple faith in Jesus Christ that if Jesus is all I have then Jesus is all I need we need to go back to that simple faith if he hears me that's all that matters if he knows where I am that's all that matters oh somebody lift your voice to the Lord this morning you got to push the envelope you got to push the envelope Abraham Lot get ready I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah but they prayed and said Lord would you spare the city? Would you spare the city if, if I can find 40 righteous? And God said yes, and they searched and couldn't find them. Then they come back and said, would you spare the city if we find 30 righteous? And God said yes, and they found not 30. And they said, God, would you spare the city if you find 20 righteous? And God said yes. They searched the city and could not find 20. I'm going somewhere with this. Then they went back to God and said, Lord, would you spare the city if we can find 10 that are righteous? And the Lord agreed. And they could not find 10. 
and I know exactly what you're thinking right now. You're thinking, well, pastor, I know the end of the story. God did destroy that city, but you missed the whole point. Somebody had enough faith to push the envelope and say, God, I know what you want to do, but are you willing that if I can find 40? Are you willing that if I can find 30 or 20 or 10, would you be willing to spare it? In other words, there was somebody with enough faith to say, God, would you hear me on this issue? And God said, yes. Some of you are resigning to the fact that you think God has said no and you're just bowing out like this. What about pushing back and saying, okay, God, I know what things look like. I know what things seem like. But God, would you, if I do this, would you do that? If I do this, would you? You need to go ahead and push in prayer. Come on, I feel it moving in this place right now. I know I'm stepping on very thin ice. Amen, or not thin ice, but very sensitive top topics theologically. Amen. Some people say God will never change his mind. Well, you had not read the Bible. God was willing. God said, step back, Moses. Step aside. I'm going to kill every one of them. God had his mind made up. God said, I brought them out of Egypt. These bunch of brats. I give them manna in the morning. Their shoes don't wear out. Their clothes don't wear out. I give them air conditioning in the day with a pillow of cloud. I give them a heater at night in the desert with a pillar of fire. They don't want for anything. And yet these, these, these bunch of babies, these stiff neck, hypocritical, rebellious people keep going serving other God. Step back, Moses. I'm going to wipe them out. I'll start. I called Abraham out of the earth of Chaldees. I'll call somebody else out. Just move out of the way, Moses. In other words, that indicated to me that Moses had already assumed the position of intercession between himself, God, and the nation of Israel. And then the Bible said that, that Moses prayed. And he said, God, don't do it. Give them another chance. Let me work with them a little bit more. God, don't wipe them out. We've been through so much. I know they're disappointing you. I can be a better leader. I can do better. God, just give them another chance. And the Bible said that God stepped back and granted that which Moses had prayed. Amen. So many of us are willing to just step back and say, okay, God, just go ahead and do it. But what moves God is the faith of a Moses that steps in and says, God, I know what you're saying to the situation, but if I could intercede, if I could intervene in this, Lord, I'm asking you make a way where there seems to be no way. Lord, I know they said it's impossible. I know that the banker said no way. I know that the doctor said no. I know that all the news is negative, but God, I'm coming to you in faith. I'm launching out into the deep and I'm putting all my confidence in you. Lord, if you don't do it, it won't get. Somebody needs to launch out into the deep this morning. You need to quit accepting things, amen, the way they are and you need to start praying and believing again. Come on, you need to start believing again. You need to start worshiping again. You need to have faith in him. Come on, do it right now. Start right now. Start right now. Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. 
We're so quick to surrender. We're so quick to surrender when we get bad news. Rather than take the step of faith, we just accept it as the will of God. How many sicknesses have we allowed into our life because we didn't push back against the report? I don't think anybody's hearing me right now. I said, how much sickness do we allow in our life? Because when the doctor says something, we got more faith in a doctor that's been a doctor 12 years than a God that's always been God. As a matter of fact, the prophet in Isaiah says, whose report will you believe? And to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? In other words, you've got a choice here this morning. You can gamble on life or you can gamble on God. You can take a risk and believe everything that the world says is going to happen. Or you can take a chance this morning and say, I believe if God said I'm healed, I'm healed. If God said my family's going to be saved, they're going to be saved. If God said there's revival in my home, there's going to be revival in my home. I'm not going to sit back and just accept what is laid at my feet. No, I'm launching into the deep. One of my favorite stories, if you were to ask, you would say, Bartimaeus, what are you doing? You're blind. What, what, what do you think you're doing? As Bartimaeus begins to remove his state-certified, state-issued beggar's garment. Bartimaeus, don't, don't throw that down. You're blind. You'll never find it again. But Bartimaeus, he gambled on the one who stood before him. And he cast aside his beggar's garment to the one whose mercy was matchless and whose power was beyond imagine. Amen. He threw aside his beggar's garment. And he cried out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And when everybody else told him to shut up, and everybody else told, the Bible said, the more they told him to be quiet, the louder he got. In other words, he said, I'm casting my lots on Jesus. I have sat here and begged all my life. I have begged for pennies my whole life. But you're telling me the man from Galilee is walking down this road, the man that has walked on water, the man that has raised the dead, the man that has cleansed the lepers the one that healed Jairus' daughter is standing before me no I'm not going to accept this blindness anymore and he takes off his garment and throws it down and he says I'm going to depend on Jesus I'm going to take my chances with him I'm telling somebody this morning you need to take another chance on Jesus you need to take another chance in prayer What I'm trying to tell you is you need to step out and get your miracle today. You need to step out of your comfort zone. You need to step out of your complacency. Amen. And you need to take a risk. Amen. On the Lord. But I'm going to tell you this. Now use the word gamble. But the Bible says for the ways of God are a sure thing. The ways of God are a sure thing. So to you and I it's a risk. Because it hasn't been done yet. To you and I, it's a gamble because we haven't seen it come to pass yet but not from God's perspective. God don't ever gamble. God's ways are a sure thing. God's ways are a sure way and I'm telling you, you can trust in Jesus. You can depend on Jesus. You can rely on Jesus. 
All that you do in your life is a gamble, but not when it comes to God. When you deposit that check from your job, there's a gamble. When you go to the doctor, there's a gamble. When you get in your car and turn it on, there's a gamble. But you're sitting in a room full of people this morning that can testify. God has never We used to sing the song growing up. He's never failed me yet. He's never failed me yet. Jesus Christ has never failed me yet. And I remember my pastor got up one Sunday and he said, stop singing it like that. He said, yet indicates that God could or God would. He said, God can't fail. God will never fail. And from that point on, we just sing, he's never failed me, he's never failed me, Jesus Christ has never failed me. Quit praying as if there might be a chance God don't hear you. Quit believing as there might be a chance that it won't come to pass. I'm telling you, if Jesus said it, it's not a gamble. You can take it to the bank. If Jesus said it, it will to pass your Bible is filled with illustration after illustration of people that hoped against hope and believed against all the present reality in front of them but when they were willing to depend on Jesus he came through for them and he's never let anyone down Stand with me this morning. We are in that place today in the presence of the Lord. As it were, your ship is in the harbor. Your boat is tied to the slip. It's just there sitting. You have an opportunity this morning. You can remain tied up to the dock or you can untie yourself unfurl your sail of faith and say Lord I'm launching into the deep today if I'm going to see greater I've got to risk greater if I'm going to see more I've got to do more you feel the Holy Ghost in this place this morning I do God is waiting on somebody today to say Lord I've hung around the harbor long enough. I'm fixing to launch out into the deep to see your wonders be performed. Lord, I'm fixing to launch out into the deep to believe for things that I haven't even opened my mouth and proclaimed in a long time. Lord, I'm going to step out this morning and I'm going to believe for things that I haven't declared in a long time. Whatever it is in your life, I want you to know you're not going to get it set in the shore. You're not going to get it docked at the slip. Amen. You're going to get it when you launch out into the deep and you have faith. Lord, I've never been this way before. Lord, there's no mile markers. There's no, there's no point of no return. God, I'm going to go where you want me to go. I'm going to launch out deeper and further and I'm going to believe like I've never believed with somebody lift their hand this morning. 
and begin to say, Lord Jesus, I'm going to launch out further. I'm going to go deeper in the name of the Lord. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost moving here today. <laughs> in the name of Jesus. Is there anybody that don't have a prayer answered? If there is, you ought to fill this house with a loud prayer. Is there anybody that's still seeking God to do something in your life? You ought to lift your voice in prayer. Is there anybody still believing for miracles? You ought to lift your voice in prayer right now. Because today's the day that we unfurl the sail and we launch out into the deep and see his wonders to perform. We played it safe long enough. We played it shore in the, safe in the shore long enough. God's asking, is there anybody willing to launch out? Is there anybody willing to push back? Is there anybody willing to pray a little more? To seek a little more? To believe a little bit more? Come on. Come on, I feel Bartimaeus' faith here. I feel the faith of an Elisha in this place that says, Lord, I believe. I may not see it, but I believe it. Is there a Sarah faith in this house right now that says I may be past years, but I still believe for the miracle. The world may say there's no chance. Life may say there's no hope, but I'm stepping out into the miraculous. I'm going to take the risk to believe. I'm going to take the chance to believe. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, that's it. I feel it moving in this house right now. Hallelujah. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, first church, before we open these altars, just start praying where you are. You know what that need is. You know what that need is. You know what you need God to do in your life. You can play it safe and just ask God every once in a while. Or you can get focused on that petition here this morning and say, I'm going to believe. I'm going to launch out into the deep and I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe for that miracle in my family. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.